Uh, you think Zach gets those big muscles? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Game Bones, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My own goes to Zach's We muscles. can't even all fit in the studio because of Zach's muscles. That's right. That's how we have to record remotely. Mm-hmm. I had uh, lots of junk food tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't feel that well. <laughs> Is that the real reason why you didn't button your shirt? <laughs> Thank you for joining us, everyone listening at home or in their cars or during class or Game of Owns. Pay attention. Beginning of another week. To your class. Pause Game of Owns. Unless you're really excited about hearing Tyrion's first chapter in A Storm of Swords. If so, take photos of the notes on the big projector board. (laughs) Study later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just walk out of class right now and... uh, Go listen to us in a corner somewhere. Yeah, and buy a croissant as well. A croissant. <laughs> a croissant. <laughs> Some of you may be listening to us on our new partner's home, watchersonthewall.com. 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 We're to um, come home with a few of you, everybody. Yeah. It's good to be here. Good place to be. You know what? You know where it's not a great place to be is Tyrion Aaron Lannister's Hall. face. At the moment. <laughs> wow. Let's just jump right into it. That okay. is decidedly not a good place to be. We would love to, to chat some more here at the top of the episode, but Kate has to leave in 40 minutes. She has a very important uh, appointment oh this gosh. evening. 42 What's minutes. going on, Kate? What, what yeah. do you have? My, my boyfriend's cooking me dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't want to miss that. Yeah. I just did that. What, I just did that. What is for dinner, guys? My girlfriend. She really liked it. <laughs> A little, little pasta. <laughs> okay, uh, one more moment before we start talking about Tyrion. And if you're a new listener, uh, we are a very heavily dedicated A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones podcast. But we do have to say thank you to everyone who visited and contributed to our Patreon page. Oh my gosh, yes. yes. Right? <laughs> this went really well. We had uh, 32 donors, 34 I want to say. Now. 34 donors mm-hmm. um, in the last week, which kind of blew me away honestly i know that like we're expecting to make one to two million dollars a month on yeah. this podcast eventually yeah. but mm-hmm. to to have all these people who right off the bat contributed thank you so much um and if you haven't gone uh go check it out because i think and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong here but i think that the little video we did on our patreon page is the best thing we've ever made Ooh. really i really do think so yeah episode where you just laughed consistently for about 15 <laughs> minutes right literally in. literally everything in the world is better opinions. than that episode <laughs> i would disagree so we have two tiers uh, set up so far at the beginning and one of them is the uh, call the banners and the other is the little birds and so we have our bannerman and and if you are a member of that tier uh, you get your name listed on our website but I, I do want to say, you know, for all the people coming later, the the first uh, dozen bannermen, you're our favorite bannermen that are <laughs> that are currently. You're you're our favorite bannermen. Eric so. is speaking for all of us. Yes, I'm speaking for the show right now. And our little <laughs> birds are our favorite little birds. Our current favorite, our current little birds. So be one of our favorite little birds and and donate now <laughs> if you want. More more exciting stuff is coming, right, guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. up to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, check out our stretch goals. Details. I noticed both of our stretch goals are Theon related, so I'm so gonna far. have to bite the the bullet on that one. <laughs> Let's just put on that old hat, that hat that's old and starts at the beginning of each chapter, and mm-hmm. usually works out for us. He woke to the creak of old iron hinges. Who? He croaked. 
At least he had his voice back, raw and hoarse though it was. The fever was still on him, and Tyrion had no notion of the hour. How long had he slept this time? He was so weak, so damnably weak. Who? he called again, more loudly. Torchlight spilled through the open door, but within the chamber the only light came from the stub of a candle beside his bed. Enter Tyrion Lannister, a storm of, storm of swords. swords. Tyrion is in a very miserable position in this chapter. He, he is. And to those those uh, folks who are reading along with us who maybe have only watched the show, uh, Peter Dinklage's portrayal of this particular scene, this particular era of Tyrion's life, is a very handsome portrayal. <laughs> what he gets in the show is a nasty scar across his face that heals up and like makes him even more bangable than he was before. <laughs> right. But but right. what happens to Tyrion in the book is that his nose is literally sliced off of his face. Well, all, that off. Is, all that is left is the, like the crate right, the crater of the of the front half of his nose that you can see directly into his skull, essentially. Um, which is horrifying. And makes he he makes many different comments about how he's become even more hideous than before and blah 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 but on the show of course peter dinklage is just like oh no i'm i'm slightly more handsome now. <laughs> so yeah this yeah. is this is a big difference between book and show and when i was originally a fan of the show i was like Tyrion's supposed to be hideous and then like he he got his face sliced up and i was like this is still not a hideous person we were not even trying to make him hideous but now i'm okay with it because Peter Dinklage is hot. I mean, if you knew him, you'd like him, right? It's mm. it's the same way, I think, if you were really staring at a, a guy with his nose half off. If you knew him, you'd like him. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't you know, know him, who, you're going to think like. he's gross. Yeah. Huh. No, but I get that it's, it's yeah, a little exactly. bit more serious. And, and were you going to say then, Kate, that in, in the book, he's more bitter about the whole series too? Like, um, like I want to say like... Uh, similarly bitter similarly more more bitter because the wound is worse in the books um so i think Tyrion's bitterness is is sort of hard to quantify because he's such a witheringly witty person and he's always just like i've just been totally fucked but here's a pithy thing that i'm gonna say <laughs> and and make the readers laugh you know it's it's hard to measure how actually bitter he is mm-hmm. versus how he's just like well this is my lot as the imp this is just how life is for me. And he's very accepting of that bitterness, you know? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think it makes him, it makes him like throughout the rest of these books, you'll, whenever there's a Tyrion chapter, he'll be rubbing the scar of his nose nervously. Mm. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) So. I don't really think that he's ever much concerned about his outward appearance. Yeah. I I don't think think he gave up on that a long time ago. Get that. And there are the instances that you just referred to, but I kind of, compare that to somebody like Jamie Lannister who loses a part of himself later on uh in this book and it's it's much more a focal point uh than it is for Tyrion Tyrion it's more so other people are very much aware of of his deformities than he really is himself he doesn't spend a lot of time focusing on it or doing the woe is me Mm-hmm. At least from what I remember. He, he's much more focused on what his sister is up to, what his father is up to, what he feels entitled to, and really a lot of what's going on in King's Landing. I mean, he feels really knocked down a few pegs uh, yeah. from mm-hmm. where he was 
uh, just uh, just a few chapters at towards the end of A Clash of Kings. I mean, he really has this ultimate fall from grace, from being hand of the king to basically, you know, in this chapter, Tywin tells him, well, I'll, I'll give you what I give you when I want to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not getting casterly rock. You're not really... It was so. One of the great things about this chapter is I really think that you start to get a feel for who Tywin Lannister is. Yeah, because he is such an asshole in the books. <laughs> he really detests. I know. Tyrion with every word he speaks, every time he looks at him, it's a constant reminder of what happened to his wife. Mm-hmm. He brought that up a number of times in this yeah, chapter, at least three or four. But times. he's so upset at the way his father is treating him, and he's so disappointed that he's so ruined that he goes out and asks for it. And for the first time in 18 years, he asks his father for Casterly Rock. You know that was never going to go to him, so why don't you give it to me? It's my birthright. He asks for it because he's he's got no other choice. This is like his last hope. He kind of, and, and part of a follow-up to that is, do you th- is he, does he want to retire? Do you think that what he he's coming to in this chapter, he's learning the sort of the what's what, but do you think that he's just disgusted by it and wants to leave? Is that why he's asking for Casterly Rock? I think in this chapter, you're getting a portrait of Tyrion's, as uh, as I think it was Micah who just said, the, his fall from grace. The fact that he he became Hand of the King in Do you Clash doubt my voice? <laughs> no, <laughs> never. But he, he became Hand of the King. And in this one chapter, this is all it takes, you see how his family, his sister and his father, have methodically taken away everything that gave him power. He goes through thing by thing about how um, they've they've killed off his servants or they've driven them from the city. Um, he, every everything that he had carefully placed in order to defeat his family, what if they should try to move against him? They, as as he said, um, while he slept, they ripped out his claws. Everything has been taken away, and I think that when he's realizing this, as Braun is filling him in on the news, he has this revelation that he's got nothing left, and it's because of his own family. And so, almost as a test, as he's leaving. Tywin's solar, he turns to see if he can get the one thing that he actually, that actually does belong to him from his family. Like the one thing that they should not be able to take away, which is his birthright. And they still take that away. Hmm. And so right at the beginning of this chapter, you're being set up for what's going to happen at the end of this book, which is what Mm -hmm. happened at the end of season four of the show. The fact that he will soon become a man who murders his own father is is at the very start of Storm of Swords. You start to understand the utter defeat in Tyrion, um, and and how limited he feels, and the fact that he's been dealing with this his whole life. And he knows, even as he's saying this about Casterly, Casterly Rock and his birthright, he shouldn't have. He's like, I should have just kept walking. I don't know why I didn't just shut up and keep going because he already knew the answer. Um, and so the fact that he has nothing and his, his family just keeps denying him right. things. I don't know. Yeah. And his father will not give him credit for anything. Of course. You know, it's, you know, he brings up what happened at Blackwater and Tywin says, well, by the way, I think it was me who <laughs> actually <laughs> won Blackwater by taking right. Stannis from the rear. 
that probably sounded worse than I intended it. <laughs> Doesn't he say that was a nice chain or something that you yeah, put he in was, the water? Yeah, he was very oh, yeah, like, the chain. It was like a, an attaboy. He was like, yeah, that was clever, but I think it was mostly me and Cersei who made that happen. And Tyrion is like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Yeah. The pyromancers, right? All the wildfire. Yeah, but what's Tywin supposed to do? Like throw him a party? Yeah. I heard your chain was good, Tyrion. Here's this party I threw you because you did a good job. But all he wanted was gratitude. All he wanted was his father right. to say, yeah, that was an awesome move. Way to go. But he can't even get that. But know? it's my favorite line, in, both in the book now and from the show, too, is that uh, mummers you know, need praise. Mummers and children need praise. And applause. Um, and you know, so you did just Eris. Did your, your he, like, duty. Compa- he compares him to Eris as well. He doesn't like Eris. He does not like Eris, no. <laughs> May I read a passage from the book? allow it here we go this is this will just echo some of kate's words from earlier (laughs) my hirelings betray me my friends are scourged and shamed and i lie here rotting Tyrion thought i thought i won the bloody battle is this what triumph tastes like Mm. is it true that stannis was put to rout by renly's ghost bronn smiled thinly from the winch towers all we saw was the banners in the mud and the men throwing down their spears to run there's hundreds in the pot shops and brothels who will tell you how they saw Lord Renly kill this one or that one. Most of Stannis's hosts have been Renly's to start, and they went right back over at the sight of him in that shiny green armor. So if you remember, when we left Tyrion the last time, he was in bed and it was curtainy and milk of the poppy e. But directly before that, we had this whole kind of quasi-mystery mm-hmm. about who... This Renly's ghost thing making an appearance at Blackwater um, really just brought back memories of uh well first of all how renly died but also i was right. thinking well this this is like a ton of eyewitness accounts of renly like who was at the battle wearing his armor and then i thought oh wasn't it loris tyrell wearing his armor and so it's just it's just something that you know since it's been a while since we read these books it's really exciting to come back and hear that um this this legend is sort of you can say it's romantic gotten out of control and it's romantic but yeah, you know this 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 story has grown that Renly showed up at Blackwater, and it's just such a larger tale. Well, not such a larger tale, but it's a larger it tale than what exists. Meanwhile, nobody's talking about you know and playing up Tyrion. So that's really the the thing is because Tyrion is comparing his uh, the the lack of publicity, say, surrounding his um, victories uh, versus you know Renly, who's been dead, uh, is said to have shown up at the battle and <laughs> right. and pitched in. So. Yeah, and the Tyrells are getting a lot of uh, of uh, publicity, and a lot of a lot of people are they're getting a lot of of breasts in their face. Yeah. Apparently, like anybody <laughs> anybody who walks around with a, a Tyrell sigil is gonna <laughs> is getting teat. is getting major ass, ass yeah. apparently. Uh, yeah. Just all over King's Landing. This was Bronn that brought the news, right? It was. Yeah, he was only a little bitter. I mean, he looked great. You need to throw that in. Dashing. <laughs> he did look good. He had like George a R. Double- Martin. Is good at putting clothes together. Can we just say he, that he can he can put together an outfit. Like he knows that perfect shade <laughs> of does. jade and green and the I cloak. Would, I would follow his Pinterest board. Yeah, mm. so good for Braun of Blackwater. You know, don't I'm, give him anything else to do. Kate. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to write a book. Remember, here's a quote <laughs> from the book. There, I, I found it. it is Braun, uh, Mister Tool, the leather boots himself. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, <laughs> Quote, wife, widow, or whore, the women are all giving up the virtue to every peach fuzz boy with a gold rose on his teat. 
So it's because the Tyrells have been on a really, really strong campaign of throwing pizza parties all around King's Landing yes. for the past yes. several weeks. It's true. And people are just coming up and they're like, I can take as many as I want. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and yeah. they've got like posters of Marjorie, like eating a slice of pizza. Yeah. Everybody's real excited about Marjorie coming to be their new queen. So she's got, she's got like a serious PR agency paving the way for, for her arrival. I don't think she's arrived yet, right? They're, they're waiting not yet. for her. Right, to not, yet. not yet. Yeah. Um, no, but even know. tales of her beauty have spread. Like Tyrion knows that she's beautiful. She's a babe. Of course. Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. And, and speaking of the Tyrells, right? Uh, Tyrion could have taken claim for the whole marriage idea, uh, with Joffrey. But what happens, of course, um, uh, Tywin seems to think that it was all Baelish's doing. And it just it's just another one of those things where Tyrion, as Hand of the King, really orchestrated so much. And mm-hmm. he's in in this chapter, just everything that he's worked so hard for, everything that he's set into motion is either completely taken away from him or he's completely discredited. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think this chapter going back to what we were talking about earlier was more to paint who Tywin Lannister is as opposed to who Tyrion is. Cause we've, we've gotten to know Tyrion pretty well uh, over the course of the last, you know, really two books. Kate, you, you touched on something before that made me think about this. And that is, you know, the, the sort of the parallel chapters for Tyrion in that this is the first chapter of storm of swords for him. But then, his final chapter in Storm of Swords is very much like this as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole idea of going up to confront his father, mm. but the outcomes are two very, very different things. And yeah. you wonder if, you know, Tywin had been a little bit more generous or just been a little bit more concerned about his son in this chapter, if that would have changed how the end um, played itself out. I like that you made that comparison because I did see a lot of sort of the end of season four in this chapter, even the line um, about the next horror that I find in your bed, I'll hang. We know that that is not quite what happens to, to Tyrion's he hangs, horror. hangs around his dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, True. I think, I think it's interesting too, Micah, that this chapter is not only a parallel to that final chapter, but also in this chapter, it does feel like Tywin takes away everything that Tyrion has worked so hard for in just one fell swoop. And of course, by murdering his father late in this book, he will he will take away everything that his father has, uh, including his life, which is, you know, the one thing that he spares him in this chapter, basically. He's like, I'm not going to give you, you look like a mess, and I'm not going to give you anything you're asking for, and you could just go back to your cell and shut up. <laughs> um, but you can stay alive. You can have your life. That's cool, yeah. right? But by the end of this book, you know, Tywin is calling for Tyrion's execution. And so he was going to rob him even of that. He just had to do it in a way that would seem appropriate, I suppose, for his family, because his family and his name are the only thing that matter, even in abstraction. Just the idea of the Lannister name and title and honor being upheld is so important to Tywin. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't just have his son assassinated. It makes me wonder too what Tywin was like when his wife was still alive because yeah. he has such a level of discontent for Tyrion and he he mentions his wife a number of times and the fact that Tyrion killed his mother. I wonder how much that altered 
Tywin in mm. terms of who he is as a person. Well, think about this too. He was the Lord of Casterly Rock. He's famous for being rich. He has two gorgeous, perfect blonde children and presumably a gorgeous, perfect blonde wife. And then suddenly he trades that wife for a freaky looking little baby who is like suddenly the talk of the entire realm. Talk of the rock. Yeah. Talk of talk of the rock. And uh, <laughs> this is like his, he, instead of having this perfect family, he has this monstrosity that becomes infamous across the entire country. So I can understand that he would be probably pretty frustrated by that. Um, I, right. There's a there's a lot of frustration. I'm not saying he's handled it very well because Tyrion is clearly the coolest of his kids, but right. he he's just like uh, the bitterness is something that if you think about lo- loving someone and having a family with them, and then losing them, and instead of them, you have this crazy, ugly monster baby. Presumably, is what what Tyrion looked like when he was born with his little tail mm-hmm. or whatever. That is not true. It is not true. It's not no, true. It's not. But uh, he did <laughs> have you, you know right. one one blonde eye, one blonde eye. No, <laughs> he did not have a blonde eye. He had a blue eye, one blue eye, one brown eye. Just crazy stuff, you know. Here's here's the exact quote from Tywin uh, when Tyrion asks about Casterly oh, Rock. It's so bad. It is probably one of the worst things that a father could ever say to his son he says you ask that you who killed your mother to come into the world you are an ill-made devious disobedient spiteful little creature full of envy lust and low cunning men's laws give you the right to bear my name and display my colors since i cannot prove that you are not mine to teach me humility the gods have condemned me to watch you waddle about wearing that proud lion that was my father's sigil and his father's before him but neither gods nor men shall ever compel me to let you turn casterly rock into your whorehouse yeah, you know what's also right. interesting about all this is that Tyrion is the only person in his family who's willing to uh keep his word and to treat people well and to try to do the right thing and for his trouble he's being denied everything that he feels that he has earned including i feel like the the situation with aliaya and um, <laughs> <laughs> we had a heck of a lot of fun i i i'm guessing these are in jokes from your last on yes. season i see i see she comes on the show every once in a while oh cool yeah, well she's a good guest. so aliaya was um, <laughs> please say was, it right are you sure there wasn't another ya there aliaya aliaya ya the whore was a cover for Shay, and Cersei found her and flayed her. No, well, not flayed her. I guess whipped, <laughs> whipped her, scourged her. They said, and, wrong family. Um, sent her out the gates naked and bleeding. So that's not super duper cool. Better but than death. one of the things that he told Cersei when he was still feeling very powerful is that anything you do to her, I will do to your son, mm. Tommen. And. The difference between Cersei and Tyrion is very, very clear here, because although Cersei could say something like that and then totally go against it, just do it anyway, uh, he he knows that he loves Tommen and he can't he can't possibly hurt Tommen. You know, like his it was a completely empty threat. He's never going to have to hurt Tommen, um, and Cersei would have done it, I think, if it hadn't been her own son. If the situation were reversed, she absolutely would have been able to keep her word and do the evil thing. But Tyrion can't do it. It's what makes him so unlike the rest of his family. 
And when asked, he's just like, what are you kidding? I like Tommen. Like, I really, <laughs> really like Tommen. Yeah. He's totally cool. What are you talking about? Tywin really doesn't receive threats against his own family very well, especially coming from his own family. Right. And that plays into, of course, what happens with Joffrey. Yeah. But I mean, in that moment too, you know, there's, there's the reference that Tommen is Tyrion's own blood and Tywin then again responds with, and so was your mother. So right. yeah, he, like Tyrion he, had anything to do with it. It was such an interesting dynamic between both Tyrion and Tywin in each direction in this chapter, because from what I've seen before, uh, only from the show, obviously, it was different. And I felt like the uh, the cruelness and the insolence of both of these characters and their directions that they're shooting it uh, were, were, were put in different places as far as the progression of the episode was concerned. And I just thought it was interesting seeing it put inside of one chronological chapter coming from Tyrion's bedchambers um, all the way through just a really epic look at Megor's Holdfast and just being inside of the Red Keep and, and seeing the, the the second lair and seeing the the raised drawbridge and, and 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 seeing the men and hearing about how many men that they that they still have and that they're not really technically able to pay, but uh, Lord Tywin deems it fit uh, for them to stay that well munitioned. I just thought it was it was so interesting because they when they eventually make their way up the steps and have time for this conversation between just Tyrion and just Tywin and his solar. We're hearing about Tywin coming to visit Tyrion when he was asleep, as much as yeah. as Maester mm-hmm. Balabar would allow him. We're hearing about him at least trying to create a gap there that Cersei was caring for his life. And it was just, it's obviously different than the show plays it because it has to be played in a, a certain direction. And so I thought, you know, this is, this is a, a much lighter Tywin than I'm used to seeing because for the most part, yeah, he's being very arrogant and condescending and dismissive but at the same time he he is he's very uh, obviously treating Tyrion like Tyrion and not someone strange or uh downtrodden but then you reach that point in the chapter where literally all he does is ask for for Casterly Rock and and their their conversation you'll have to read it guys but the their conversation was it's not like it was friendly it's not like it was necessarily shouty or, or overtly heated it was the first real conversation since Blackwater, so it wasn't that horrible. But then you reach the point in the conversation where Tywin's just fed up with him asking questions, showing weakness, yada, yada, yada. And he just, you know, throws down Micah's paragraph and just rips into him immediately. There was just no warning. I was just like, wow, yeah, this guy really is the horrible jerk I heard about in the, from the books. The context, too, is that it's pretty, most of it is a very civil conversation, and then he asks what he, what, Tyrion what he wants. He's like, if there's nothing else, you should probably go. And Tyrion says, well, what do I want? I'll tell you what I want. I want what's mine. I want Casterly Rock. And then this this is the one, it's almost like he knows how to needle Tywin mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of like, he knows the answer is going to be no. But he's like, you know, the Kingsguard can't marry. Uh, I'm your only remaining son. So I think you should give me the the title, which is mine. And that's Lord of Casterly Rock. And then it says, Lord Tywin's eyes were a pale green flecked with gold, as luminous as they were, merciless. Casterly rock, he declared in a flat, cold, dead tone. And then, never. <laughs> it was just like such a fucking like, oh yeah. my God, this that's yeah. an absolute term. It's like, you will never, I will never even consider, I will I will live forever before I give you Castle I mean, Rock. Everything you ever wanted to know about Tywin Lannister is right in that line right there. Yeah. It's a complete opposite of, of how we see him act towards Tyrion 
before Tyrion became Hand of the King. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole speech about, you are my son, and what Jamie captured at that point, yeah. Tywin could only really rely on Tyrion. That's true. He sent him to King's Landing on a mission, and it just goes to show you that at the end of the day, all he cared about was the part that Tyrion was going to play. And I think right. he says as much in this chapter. He says, no one denies the part that you played as it relates mm-hmm. to him. I think it, it's it's larger than just Blackwater. I mean, I think him serving as Hand of the King for that period of time, but it's not good enough for all mm-hmm. the reasons that you guys have just mentioned. I don't think, aside from the fact that there's no way to refute that Tyrion is Tywin's son, all else aside, Tywin does not view Tyrion as being worthy of conversation, worthy of interaction, mm-hmm. and this is just the complete powder keg that that is their relationship. It it, it just seems like everything for Tyrion now has fallen apart. I wonder if this is like the classic striving for dad's approval kind of relationship, just taken to the most extreme, <laughs> right? And that's why so many people enjoy Tyrion as a character and really feel for him. Because although, you know, none of us will probably ever be the Hand of the King or a, mm. an, a, an imp with half a nose, like, mm. you know, you never know. Anything's possible. Uh, dare to dream. But dream. I just don't think that there's a lot that most of us have in common with Tyrion, except for his struggle with his family. And as a result, you know, when I, when you see him striving for his father's acceptance and his father's approval and this absolute, like, Super high standard, first of all, that he's held to, which is like, yeah, you were handed the king, and yeah, you constructed this giant chain, and yeah, you orchestrated the dragon fire and whatever. But actually, the victory goes to me and your sister. Because <laughs> like he is I think Tywin has extra high expectations of of Tyrion just he because does. he knows that it's unlikely that any human could ever meet them, and Tyrion is always striving for it. You know, he's always despite his sardonic nature and the fact that he's constantly just like brushing things off being, you know, too too cool for him or just like used to them. He's he's striving for the acceptance of his family and he wants them to like he could probably pay to have them killed at any time, but he's like this is my family. Um these are the rules that I live by and I'm going to try to do the best that I can under these circumstances and it seems so unfair and that's something that I feel like a lot of people have felt is just like, oh, my family's so fucking stupid. Why is this? <laughs> why does I have to put up with this? And it's just like that's your family. You're, that's all you got. You know, I, I just going back to some of the things that I believe foreshadow the end of the book. Um, here, one of the things that Tyrion talks to Tywin about is Marcella. That's one of the areas where Tywin does give him a little credit. I mean, he, he does refer to Marcella as like a hostage, but um, she apparently is having a, an okay time with. Princess Ariane mm. and uh, Prince Tristan or Tristain, however you wish to say it, over in Dorne. And so Tywin does say this Dornish alliance is yours, except it comes at this cost. You promised Prince Doran justice. And there's this brief moment where they're talking about the mountain going over to this place called Duskendale. And it's really interesting because knowing that these guys are the players later on, you know, not not necessarily Duran, but his, you know, his brother, um, coming to cast through the rock for him. So it's, it's really interesting though, to see the seeds of the end of the book or towards the end of the book, second half of the book, let's say, um, being sown even in this first chapter. 
Yeah, it's it's exciting, especially uh, some of the casting that we know about for the next season. Just just seeing the names of characters uh, that that have been littered in comments section, just alongside the people that are cast, and just knowing that this this Dornish aspect of the story is coming into the fold is so exciting. I'm very excited. Just of all the things that were set up in this chapter, it's going to be awesome. And we still got so much of the old world thrones that we're living inside of too. So it just feels really, really comfortable right now. Like we were just hanging out with Tyrion and Tywin. Uh, we had some Podrick humor in the chapter. He couldn't, he's like, what, what, what is it? I got to get wide. And then Bronn, it's just, it's, it's, it's a good chapter. We were going to do more than one today, uh, but we didn't because there's just, mm-hmm. there's so much meat here. I feel like we could talk about this chapter for three and a half hours and uh, it wouldn't even do the carrying up to the solar justice because just in that small piece of the chapter, uh, it embodied a lot of what's great about the series. Just hearing about the perspective of these people and uh, seeing what they're doing after so much has befallen them and uh, see how they deal with their hardships and see how Tyrion's dealing with not being essentially the vice president of his country anymore. That's a big responsibility. Like his dad's coming down on him kind of hard, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you were kind of that dude. And I know that a lot of the the credits not necessarily being kicked your way, but your family is alive, mm-hmm. and you succeeded, and you're alive. So you know, it's not so bad, buddy. You'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to what Kate was saying. I think. I mean, Tyrion knows that he succeeded. Tyrion knows that he made a difference in the battle, but he does at this point strive for his father's approval. He wants other people to tell him that. And, um, but by, by the end of the book, maybe he's decided that that's something he's never going to get. Yes. I believe that. <laughs> we'll give you guys that idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it must be cool to be hand of the King though. You know, how we've seen like the pin that gets pinned on Ned Stark. Apparently mm-hmm. there's this necklace or this chain that Tywin's wearing around his neck. Which I thought was the chain of the king, mm-hmm. freaking awesome, nearly unworthy, ne- nearly, <laughs> nearly unworthy, and that's what he strangles Shay with at the end of the book. Wait, did the chain then make it into the show? Yes. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Well, I this is the first Rewatch. time I noticed the dis- the particular descriptors of uh, Ooh, the chain. Is that a Pokemon? The chain of golden hands, the fingers of each hand <laughs> clasping. The wrist of the next. Yeah, in fact, the chain of the the chain of the hand was what the hand of the king was supposed to be wearing the entire time. But in the show, he's just wearing like a brooch that's got the the fist on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember when Shay died, I was looking for the chain, and it's not quite that descriptor. That's not it. It is not hands all gripping the next hand, but Mm -hmm. it is it is a chain that she's wearing, and it's clearly uh, belongs to Tywin. No. Mm Oh, yeah, cool. but it, and then then it exists in the book world only. Yeah, in yeah. its in its actual iteration, it is it is a, a weird chain, canonical as we here at the show call it. Mm. Ooh. Ice cream. But, uh, One other thing I wanted to bring up um, before we give our owns here is that uh, we talked a little bit about how Tyrion he becomes somewhat paranoid because he's not entirely sure who he can trust. Yeah, you know, he's wondering who Cersei has in her pocket. And yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead here because it's it's almost going into the next book, but I think that it's it's really interesting how that's how Tyrion's is thinking sort of after his fall from grace. Um whereas we know Tywin dies, we just mentioned it about mm-hmm. <laughs> several times and <laughs> eight or nine that times. Leaves, that leaves Cersei in a very compromising position as well in terms of knowing who 
she can trust because who let Tyrion go? Uh, who's been working with her brother? And so I, I just found it really kind of, you know, we talked about parallels and without going into too much detail here, but just the fact that brother and sister are, are going through very similar things at the start of two very different books. That is interesting. Hmm. I'm sure the book readers will appreciate that insight. Yeah. Yes. Spoiler free, but uh, aside from the fact Tywin dies. But we all knew <laughs> that, hopefully. Hopefully you guys knew that. He didn't shit gold. Uh, speaking of gold, here's my speaking. own. More like bronze. My own goes to Bronn for having a really cool sigil and for having uh, hand-tooled leather boots. Huh. Like that. My own also I goes to that. Bronn. Tyrion asks him, does that mean you've lost your taste for gold? And his reply is, not bloody likely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, Bronn uh, carries Tyrion up the stairs, so Get it he's, on he's pretty just cool. for that. Cool dude. All right. Uh, my own actually goes to Tywin Lannister. Now, I think we've read many of his quotes throughout this chapter, so any number of those could suffice. But there's something else uh, here that I thought was important. And uh, he says to Tyrion, did you come here just to complain of your bedchamber and make your lame japes? I have important letters to finish. What about what Tyrion says? He's like, oh, important. (laughs) And then he says, or Tywin responds, some battles are won with swords and spears, others with quills and ravens. Yeah. Yep. 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 Tywin. Who are you writing to, Ty Ty? (laughs) That leaves Z. All right. My turn. This is a thought from inside of one of our friends' heads. Tyrion Lannister. He says, The dwarf has risen from the dead, Tyrion thought. And look, he's uglier than ever. Run, tell your friends. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Anyone? Yeah. Good? Not good? He's owning well it. Done. He's owning it. Isn't he say, uh, own, own a bastard? Nobody will ever hurt you with that, you know? Exactly. Never forget what you are, a bastard. The rest of the world surely will not. I mean, we got quite a book ahead of us. We got quite a way before Jamie and Cersei are reunited. And uh, all the things that we know happened, thank you to the TV show, as well thank as you. the things that we didn't expect and things that we didn't know were happening, such as Duskendale. I don't think that's ever mentioned in the show. Twice in this chapter. Um, wonder what's going to happen there. Wonder what that place is like. Don't know. Hope we can see it in the book. Sounds dark. We very well may. So... Ladies and friends, those were our owns. Do you have any? Well, we got an email from Gabriel with an own here. And this is not an own that we have had, so this is good. The Queen of Thorns gets the own for giving away hundreds of wains of food in Marguerite's name. Mm. With one move, she gets the common folk on her side, secures Marguerite's marriage to the king, and best of all, Wife, widow, or whore, the women are all giving up their virtue. <laughs> oh, to no. Every peach fuzz boy with a gold rose in his teeth. Yep. Okay, Gabriel. Thanks, Gabriel. Kate Thank would have been cackling her her entire body at that joke, but she has already left us early. The Tyrells are, in fact, um, winning in, in life with their PR campaign. Uh, is it cool if I read a tweet, Eric? I just Do see it. one. Here's one from Pamela Pluisa, fan of the show. She says, Tyrion Chapter 1, Tywin's cold steel grit owns Tyrion's frozen need for fatherly affection. Never gonna happen. When will he learn? Never gonna happen. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Nope. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. So thanks for that, Pamela and Gabriel. We would trawl the waters for 
all the rest of the things that you guys have sent. But why not just go right to tell you how to do it next week? Yes, next week. You guys better get on this. Tweet us your owns for the Davos chapter at twitter.com slash game of owns or at game of owns if you're already signed in. Right on our Facebook wall. Facebook, uh, or no, (laughs) scroll on our Facebook wall. Why would I not take the opportunity to rhyme? Scroll upon our Facebook wall at facebook.com slash game of owns. Was that a wild... A wild Samuel Tarley appeared at the mention of his sir father's name. He's super effective. How's Randall? I hear he's heading to Duskadin. Duskadale. Dusk- Duskindale! <laughs> God damn it. You dumb shit! <laughs> well, we definitely I have see you still haven't content. gotten all the way through puberty, Sam. Your voice cracked there. But uh, thanks all the same. <laughs> These two are to duke it out right now. If you're, if you're a new listener to the show, just finding us from Watchers on the Wall... Let us tell you, Sam and I go way back, and uh, I'm pretty sure I've won most of the fights between me and him. But uh, we did just talk about our Facebook wall. Sam sometimes makes appearances there. It's facebook.com slash gameofones. And, of course, you can email us the way Gabriel did, contact at gameofones.com. Wait, so we just brought Sam back for the first time without Kate? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what you get for leaving early. (laughs) (laughs) Sam is Kate. That's why it's impossible to... Mystery revealed. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, explains so but, much. Uh, there, there is another way you can't connect with us, and uh, that is on iTunes, where uh, quite a few people have recently left us a five-star mm, rate nice. and review. Uh, it is the month of August, August, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. It is my... My name day month, by the way. Yeah, yes. how's that? We didn't even talk about the whole show. I know. Um, I, I thank you both for wishing me uh, a happy name day, which you, you both did. Um, Kate, uh, you're a sorry excuse for a host. She was on an island all Sunday. Oh, was she? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure her cell phone worked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the camel uh sounded in your birthday and uh yeah. on behalf of micah i'm gonna say thank you to all of all of the fine people at home and in their cars and skipping class that wished happy birthday to micah as well yeah no it, it was really great um a number of uh listeners sent in their uh their happy birthdays and 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 other things and and in particular i just want to say this um Kendra Griffey <laughs> took it upon herself, I think, to tweet at the entire Game of Thrones cast <laughs> that is on social the media. Thing. And, and I do have to say thank you because, um, she, she was able to get a trifecta, um, of, of people to wish me a happy birthday. And I don't think you could come up with a more unique and badass trifecta of, uh, I'll go with the characters, Podrick, Lord Commander G.R. Mormont <laughs> and Sir Barristan the Bold. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, that's that's about as cool as it gets, Mike. I'm very jealous, actually. G.R. fucking Mormont. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, why wouldn't you be proud? So, awesome. So, yeah, so thank you very much to Kendra for doing that. Uh, you didn't have to, and uh, I'm sure I'm banned on several people's Twitter feeds now. <laughs> um for the uh, for for all the requests that were made, but the, um, I'm just joking, of course. Uh, it was very nice of you. But now to the iTunes reviews. Oh, okay. We did get several of them. Um, one from Avian or AV Noble. Oh, okay. Who says, uh, a solid entertaining podcast that centers around the show, but also delves into the source material. I'm a new subscriber, 
but I'm now an avid listener. Uh, wow. Keep it up. So uh, thank you there. Thank AV. you. Very kind. Uh, another one here from Nick Names Are Stupid. <laughs> uh, they say, I wish I could ship this podcast. Love the interaction between the goo crew. Keep it up. Thank you. I wonder how we would be shipped. Uh, I think if you just put us like on a thumb oh. drive and like put us in one of those flat rate boxes, you can send us to yourself. What if someone's just like listening to it on their phone and flies in an airplane? That's, right? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. One more here from Atomics IGN who says, this is my go-to. Every day I check iTunes just to see if there's a new episode. I've been hooked and will remain so. I could literally listen to a new show five days a week. Wow. That's really, really nice. That is really nice. Thank that you. For nice. That. All right. Oh. I got one more. <laughs> it's from Kate Apple. I, would, uh, I, think I don't think, I don't think it's Kate. I think it, there's another Kate this is, in the this world is the somewhere. Other Kate, the usurping Kate. Yes. Uh, and she says, it really wouldn't be acceptable to rate this podcast anything less than five stars. <laughs> All of the hosts provide astute, insightful commentary and know how to balance critical, in-depth discussion with fun and laughs. Hmm. The production value is great and the audio quality is high, which makes listening even better. <laughs> if you want a Game of Thrones podcast, this is the very best. Mom? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They have episodes for both book readers and show watchers, plus interviews with various people involved with the show, cast and crew alike. The current hosts, Kate, Mike, Zach, and Eric. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is just, you know you've been doing it too long. You know what's funny is I think people who think that your name is actually Mike must think that we keep like getting lost for words every time we say your name. Hey, Micah, what should we do, uh, Micah? Yeah. Anyway, uh, the current hosts (laughs) all bring something different to the show, and they're all wonderful. Uh, Additionally, they all make it a point to interact with their listeners and fans both on and off the show, and that extra effort really makes the podcast even better. That's the whole point, guys. That is the whole point. F-U-N. Hurry up. Subscribe. Winter is coming after all. Much love. The other Kate, in quotes. Oh, see, there you go. Happy birthday, Micah. What Kate did. Thank you, Kate. That's that's iTunes. Uh, We do read reviews every once in a while on the show, but uh, as even... uh, think it was uh, AV Noble uh, pointed out they're new listeners so uh, you know iTunes is a great place with the review section for other people who are fans of Game of Thrones to find out uh, that we exist if you're interested in helping us reproduce into a many many headed beast um, all of those details can be found at patreon.com slash and can we just go ahead and extend our sincerest thanks to all of you uh, especially Trisha being the first person uh, to donate and to to join the cause because we have uh in the, even just in the past week have compiled exponentially more ideas and things so uh, we're we're very excited definitely for everything thanks again thank you to our bannermen and to our little birds uh we will more is on the way thank you to the watchers on the wall yes. yeah that too <laughs> I know we're we're really looking forward um to continuing to read this book. It's always a lot of fun um, when we can just get together and do this for however many minutes it's been at this point. But uh, Davos is up next, and he's alive. Surprise. I know. 
How cool uh, was that when we saw that on the show? It was actually much cooler in the book, to be honest. Okay. Welcome to the next cool. week's episode. This is game. Hey. Yes, here we no, go. I right, right into uh, it. No, we're going right into it. No, I think uh, I can't <laughs> wait to read it in the book. That'll be great. Yeah, I think it was. Um, well, I mean, especially having read the books right after season one, um, and we can talk more about this on next week's episode. But just not knowing um, Davos's fate, you know, having wrapped up um, Clash of Kings, and then. You know, you're starting to make your way through the early parts of a storm of swords, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, you hit a Davos chapter. So, uh, to to realize that a character that is pretty much beloved um, is is not in fact dead is is always a good thing. Definitely. So uh, next week we'll be solving the mystery: How does a man with no fingers crack a lobster open? Tune in. <laughs> <laughs> And before we leave, we shall extend our thanks, greetings, hugs, tidings of, of, of whatever it is, enjoy. Is it comfort and joy? Comfort and joy. Comfort, comfort and, joy. and joy to all of those that are watching the wall alongside us. So uh, make sure you send in your owns early for Davos. Uh, we will be collecting them and taking attendance. And if you do not send in your own, we may have to start bringing back the threats. That's true. Is that a threat? The threats used it to- is a threat. <laughs> <laughs>